A lot of you have been asking me for insomnia treatment options, so I want to let you know I have launched an insomnia treatment course. It's a very structured and effective treatment program with a lot of clinical evidence support. So one course is in Chinese and one is in English. You can find it at deepintosleep.co forward slash insomnia. In a lot of movies, hypnosis is always very mysterious. Seems like a watch can just put someone into a state that you can tell them to do anything you want them to do and dig out their buried secrets and memories. Is hypnosis a real thing? If it is, how can a doctor really use it in their clinical practice? Today, our guest, Dr. Ran Amber, will share with us his clinical stories of treating children using hypnosis. I went to Dr. Amber's lecture years ago, and he showed us videos of treating teenagers using hypnosis technique. It was shockingly amazing. He will bring us a lot of fascinating stories today. Let's find out. Hello, Dr. Amber. Welcome to Deepin to Sleep podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to have you because I actually went to one of your lectures in 2015, I believe. And it was amazing. That was the first time I got to know hypnosis so closely and so shockingly from you. So I'm very happy to have you talking to us more about hypnosis. How about you introduce yourself to our audience? Hello, everyone. Um, so I'm a pediatric pulmonologist. I worked for many years at an academic medical center in Syracuse, New York, and that's where I fell into the world of hypnosis. I had a, a patient who had very bad allergies to milk products, and he came in one day and he said, um, Lately, when I've been smelling cheeseburgers, I've been developing asthma attacks. I thought that was a strange kind of complaint. And I said to him, hmm, can you imagine eating a cheeseburger, which is something he could not do in real life? And he did. And he developed an asthma attack in front of me. And I said, what's going on? Is his imagination so powerful that he can think his way into an illness? And that's why I wondered, if you can think your way into an illness, can you think your way out? And later I found out that imagination is the same thing as hypnosis or overlaps with hypnosis. Wow, that's really cool and so powerful just by imagining and thinking about the picture, the scenario, it can really trigger something physically happening in our body. Correct. And I, I found out that this is actually very, very common, that most people with chronic symptoms have a psychological overlay to their symptoms. And that means either because of their symptoms, they've developed some anxiety or depression, and that makes the symptoms, can make the symptoms worse, or a psychological problem triggers the symptoms in the first place. So in all cases, people who learn how to regulate their emotional responses through hypnosis, as one means, can have improvements. Oh, wow. Yeah, so sometimes it's not just treating the physical symptoms, not just treating the body. Sometimes it's psychological, and we can use a lot of methods, including hypnosis. So I know you mentioned before you work with children and teenagers a lot. 
is that the uh, primary population you work with using hypnosis? Correct. So I'm a pediatric pulmonologist. So I work with children as young as with hypnosis as young as three years old and up to young adults. Wide ranging population and the hypnosis techniques vary depending on the age of the child. Wow. So I'm curious, what kind of problems have you noticed in your clinical practice that you would be a good fit for hypnosis method? So again, let's start with anybody with a chronic symptom could be a potential good fit. In my pulmonary world, I help patients with asthma, with uh, habitual cough, with vocal cord dysfunction, with shortness of breath. That's within the respiratory illnesses. But as I am also a pediatrician, I started using hypnosis with all kinds of pediatric patients, so kids with headaches, with irritable bowel syndrome, with uh, stress related to their diabetes or cancer. And then there are children with primarily uh, psychological issues such as anxiety or um, attention deficit hyperactivity disorder that also improve with hypnosis. And of course, people with sleep issues as well, I should mention. Oh, yeah. Thank you. (laughs) That's actually make me curious because I'm a psychologist, also sleep specialist. So it's really interesting to know anxiety, some mood disorders, including sleep issues can be treated by hypnosis. So any symptoms or sleep-related issues you have found can be treated by hypnosis. Sure. So insomnia is very amenable to hypnosis. You know, the, the public often thinks hypnosis is you're getting sleepy, uh, and that's not really true. You, you can get sleepy with hypnosis, but uh, a magician can't make you get sleepy. But um, using hypnosis for insomnia is very effective. Kids can learn to fall asleep more quickly, or if they tend to have nighttime awakenings, they can also uh, prevent that with hypnosis. Other sleep kind of issues that hypnosis has been helpful for uh, kids who walk in their sleep, kids who have bedwetting, and kids with with recurrent nightmares. All of those can get better with hypnosis therapy. Wow, those are very common sleep disorders among children, actually. It's good to know hypnosis can help. Then can you share some stories with us? Like when you treat children with some kind of sleep disorder using hypnosis and it works? Sure, sure. So let's say a typical complaint is a child can't fall asleep. Very common complaint. And what I'll do is I'll teach them first how to do some basic relaxation with hypnosis that involves them imagining a calm, relaxing place. And I suggest to them that they think about what they might see there, hear, smell, feel, and taste. And we use all the senses to make it a whole brain activity. If you do actually uh, functional MRI studies, they've shown that when you imagine a sense, you actually activate the part of the brain that senses in, in real life. And so it's a whole brain activity. And by doing so, they get into a hypnotic state. And then I, I'll teach them specific imagery to help with sleep, falling asleep. So one of the favorite imageries is imagining Uh, taking a sleeping potion from Professor Snape's closet for you Harry Potter fans, or uh, Tinkerbell sprinkling uh, pixie dust, which makes you sleepy. Or kids can imagine um, laying in a hammock and watch themselves falling asleep. And as they watch themselves fall asleep, they'll fall asleep in real life. And then a final metaphor I sometimes use is imagining a dial that controls your level of alertness. And actually your, your listeners 
uh, can actually check this out. You should imagine a dial that controls your alertness. If you turn it one way, you get more awake. If you turn it the other way, you get drowsier. So those are some ideas of how uh, you can help yourself fall asleep faster. Oh, that's so interesting. So different imaginations really works for children. Then any unusual stories you encountered in your clinical practice? Because I know sleep disorder, not only insomnia. Sure. I remember this one young man who was uh, 27, a young adult. I'd known him as a teenager. He had cystic fibrosis, which is a, a bad lung disease you're born with and causes a lot of mucus to be formed by the lungs. And when he was younger, I taught him how to numb his arm. So when he underwent uh, blood testing, it didn't hurt him. And he was very, very gifted at hypnosis. So he actually said it doesn't hurt anymore once he learned to pain control. We can talk more about that later, if you like, uh, with hypnosis. So when he turned to be an adult, he went to the adult cystic fibrosis center in Syracuse, ran into him in the hallway one day. And he says, I said, how are you doing? He says, I'm doing great. I'm on this new drug for cystic fibrosis, which actually is extending life a great deal for this uh, disease. Uh, but because I'm taking this drug, I couldn't take my Provigil. He was taking a medicine called Provigil to keep him awake in the daytime. He tended to fall asleep a lot in the daytime. And I said, how long have you been taking that for? He said, well, about four years. I said, well, why don't you come to see me? I could have taught you hypnosis. Maybe we can figure it out. So he came to see me. We found out that he uh, started taking Provigil because he got tired about four years beforehand. And then I talked to his subconscious. One of the hypnosis techniques that I like using a lot is asking the patient's subconscious, their inner selves, what's going on. And the subconscious explained that four years ago, he started waking up at, at night a lot. And why is that? Because he woke up once and he was choking on his phlegm and he was afraid he was going to die. So since then, he's been waking up at night to make sure he's alive every night. I said, okay, I understand. You shouldn't treat that with ProVigil, with a medicine to keep you awake. You should help him deal with the issue. So um, I suggested to him that his subconscious is awake when he's asleep. And, you know, there's evidence of that. For example, you can tell yourself, I want to wake up at a certain hour in the morning, and then you will. So part of you is awake. Or sometimes I tell this story uh, when my children are young, the baby would cry and my wife would wake up to nurse them, and I wouldn't hear the baby at all. At the same time, I was on call, the phone would ring in the middle of the night, and I would wake up immediately to answer it. My wife would sleep through that. So our subconscious mind is awake and aware while we're sleeping. So I told him this story, and I said, your subconscious mind will protect you. If you have trouble breathing, it'll wake you up. He said, that made sense, and that solved the problem. He no longer woke up at night. He was awake in the daytime and no need for, for a vigil. Wow, that's such a cool story. And it's also a very interesting concept that our conscious mind and subconscious mind when we are asleep is different. It could still watch out for you and do different duties during the daytime versus nighttime. Correct. Wow. So I know a lot of patients with sleep disorders, they come in seeing they constantly wake up in the middle of night, possibly for different reasons, right? Sometimes we tend to say, oh, it's possibly their nerve system. They, they get so like easy to get into this fight or flight state. They are anxious and they, their nerve system is too tight. And so at night, easily to be waken up. 
so, but sounds like there are other ways to consider that, other directions to really process it and help them to intervene. Right. The, the way I think of it is actually Milton Erickson, who's the modern grandfather of hypnosis, uh, this was his idea. He said, the symptom is the solution. The symptom is a solution. So, and the boy I just told you about who kept waking up to make sure he was alive, the symptom, which is waking up, helped him make sure he was okay. So in people who wake up a lot at night, I would ask myself, why are they doing it? What's the reason? Are they frightened? Are they, you have to go to the restroom? Are they having nightmares? And then once you figure out what the reason is, then you direct your therapy at the reason. So a lot of medical therapy tends to be nonspecific. So, oh, let me give you a pill that'll help you sleep, but it's not directed at the, in the cause. And I find it much more helpful to figure out what the reason is and deal with it. In fact, that reminds me of another fun story, a 16-year-old boy who was referred to me for anxiety and depression, and he had a lot of family issues. We worked through that, but he also tended to wake up a lot at night. He did great with hypnosis. He got much better in terms of his anxiety and depression, but he still woke up at night. And I said, oh, there must be some reason for it that's very significant. We may not have addressed yet what the problem is. So I said to him, in hypnosis, imagine you're seeing a theater's a movie screen. And on the movie, you're going to see yourself going to sleep. Read into your mind what you're thinking before you wake up. I want to know what's going on. So he says, okay, I'm watching my, the movie and I'm going to sleep. And now my cat comes in the room and wakes me up. I throw the cat off the bed. I go back to sleep. Now my cat comes in the room and wakes me up. I throw the cat off the bed and go back to sleep. And now my cat comes in the room and wakes me up. So he comes out of hypnosis. I said, did you know your cat was waking you up? He said, no. I said, where's the cat supposed to sleep? In my sister's room. I said, close the door. And that was it. He no longer, he no longer woke up at night. So sometimes that's not a psychological reason. <laughs> wow. Yes. That, that's so interesting. A lot of time it's different reasons, right? I really like the, the quote you mentioned, the symptom is a solution. Let's give us a direction as a provider where to go to um, start sorting out the reasons behind it and what we can do about it. Correct. I, that's it, it actually, that's my general approach to, to most patients. And and it, it actually gives you a chance to think about things in a, in a different way that maybe hasn't been considered before and gives you an, a way of better treating the patient. Right. feels like a detective. We, yes. we, we know what's in front of us. We know the scene, the crime, crime scene. What, what are we going to do? What, what is it for? What's the reason for it? What's the motive? And it really feels like you're going that direction, figure it out. Correct. So I know you have a new book coming out and the new book has a lot of really interesting stories in it, including some of the sleep stories you, you mentioned or you not mentioned yet. Uh, do you want to introduce your new book to us? Sure. Uh, the book is called Changing Children's Lives with Hypnosis, A Journey to the Center. This book is part of my mission to let people know about hypnosis. It's such a powerful tool that's woefully underutilized. I'm on the book tour now. I'm talking to people. It's not just about telling people get the book. It's about, please understand how hypnosis might be able to help you. Uh, please tell your medical provider, hey, I'd like to investigate this if you're struggling with any symptom that's not improving to your satisfaction. 
Oh, that's so cool! So sounds like it's not just about the book; it's to help us more and more people to understand hypnosis and to really look into what it can help us in、right. our day-to-day life or in treatment. Right. So the book also we want to demystify hypnosis. A lot of people think of hypnosis as going on and seeing a magician and clucking like a duck, and 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 I guess if you're clucking like a chicken, quack like a duck. And using a watch, which I never use, hypnosis—none of those things. All hypnosis is self-hypnosis. There's no mind control other than you're controlling your own mind. So when you're doing hypnosis, you're in charge of it. You can stop at any time. Hypnosis also is not sleep, as we mentioned earlier, although it can be used for sleep, and it's not unusual. We all do hypnosis much of the time. For example, if you watch little kids playing their pretend games, they're in hypnosis. If you've ever driven three miles down the road and said, "How'd I get here?" because your mind was focusing on something else, that's hypnosis. If you've ever been listening to a boring podcast, not this one, of course,、um, and your mind started to wander and you started daydreaming, that's hypnosis. So hypnosis is not an unusual state of mind. However, when you're in that state of mind, you're more receptive to suggestions from a therapist or from yourself. And I simplify it by telling kids. That hypnosis means using your imagination to help yourself. Wow, that's so cool! I never really thought about mind wandering, autopiloting, all those state of mind. Actually, is a hypnosis state, right? And、uh, how suggestions work for us can be different at different state of mind. Then the question is, what's the difference between hypnosis and the very popular concept of mindfulness nowadays? Well,、um, they both involve changing your mindset. Mindfulness typically involves thinking about a specific, like a mantra, or focusing on your breathing, and just excluding other kinds of thoughts in a non-judgmental fashion. And、uh, doing this for a period of time during which your mind rests. Hypnosis is different because you're actually actively thinking, at least the way I teach it, and then you're actively taking in suggestions, either from the therapist or from yourself. So there's a specific goal in hypnosis, while in mindfulness, I guess the goal is just to be and let go of thoughts. Oh, okay. So the mind actually is very active during hypnosis. Correct. And、uh, also, there involves some imaginary scene scenarios, and there's some guidance. Correct. Now, some patients, some、uh, therapists who teach hypnosis will incorporate mindfulness elements into the hypnotic experience because they are overlapping. So, for example, sometimes I might tell a patient. Uh, imagine a sailboat at the bottom of your breastbone, and with each breath you take in, the sailboat will rise, and when you exhale, the sailboat will fall, and just focus on that until you find yourself in hypnotic trance. So I use that as an induction for hypnosis, but it's also a mindfulness technique. Oh yeah, sounds like there are definitely some overlaps, and、uh, for a Provider, if they have knowledge across different areas, they can possibly integrate all this and tailor that according to what the patients really need. Correct. Wow. So, what makes you want to write such a book? Focus most on children's mental health and health in general. 
Well, so I'm a pediatrician, so I wrote about what I've done, children. My, the purpose of this book is to introduce hypnosis to the, to the public. It's for everyone to read. Although clinicians have looked at it and said, oh, I've learned a lot from it. So I said, that, that's great. There are many books about how to do hypnosis for yourself. And there are many books for hypnosis professionals. But I'm not aware of another book where I sort of take you into the encounter with the patients and introduce the public to how hypnosis can work. And there's enough of far out stories in there that will hopefully intrigue the readers and explore it for themselves. Right. That's great. It's interesting. I mentioned to some Chinese friends that I'm going to interview you, talk about hypnosis, and I'm really excited. The question I got from them is, is hypnosis a real thing? <laughs> hypnosis, that's, that's a fair question. I would have asked that same question 30 years ago before I fell into it. Uh, but it's very real and it's very effective and it's extremely effective. For example, um, I had a patient once with asthma. It was very bad asthma. Uh, she needed to be on a lot of medicines, including oral steroids for 10 years. Those of you who know a little bit about steroids, they're bad and especially orally, and they have a lot of side effects. She was overweight. She had a buffalo hump. That's like she, was, she had bad skin and she had bad bones. But the reason she was on oral stairs for so long, every time they took her off, she ended up in intensive care unit with a bad asthma flare-up. Six times in her life, in 12 years, she was in intensive care unit and multiple more times in the hospital and the emergency room. So she had serious asthma. I met her when she was 12 years old. The doctor who saw her in Syracuse was very good. He checked her for all these things that might make asthma worse, couldn't find a cause. He was going to send her to National Jewish Hospital in Denver, which is like a major national center for asthma. But on the way there, she stopped at my office and I just learned about hypnosis. I said, well, let's teach you hypnosis. What can it harm? Now I'd say for sure, I didn't really know, but let's see what happens. So I taught her how to relax yourself. And I told her, please go ahead and relax yourself with hypnosis and do that before you use your rescue medicine, your albuterol. And if, it, if the hypnosis works, okay, then you don't need to use your rescue medicine. She came back a week later and she said, Oh, the hypnosis worked better than the rescue medicine. Very nice. Her asthma was brought under control with relaxation. It turned out a lot of her symptoms were because she was anxious. Understandably so, she was in the intensive care unit multiple times, but the, most of her symptoms were from anxiety. So I started weaning her off her medications. After about half a year, she ended up in intensive care unit one time when her mother was having undergoing a hysterectomy. Interesting connection there. I did not put her more on steroids. I just said, we're going to keep taking the medicines off. After a year, uh, she was much better. After two years, she stopped all her medicines. And I had to yell at her because she did have mild asthma. She needed medicine. So she put, went on a little bit of medicine, not, not, not the steroids anymore. And then she was better. This is a girl who, had she learned hypnosis five or six years beforehand, would have been spared a lot of bad side effects from people treating her symptom rather than the cause. And the cause, she did have asthma, but she also had big time anxiety that nobody addressed well. Oh, wow. Yeah. That actually, I think, really tells us sometime we need to think about different aspects of a case. And uh, the teamwork can be very important, right? For you, you are a medical provider, but can also help people learn 
uh, hypnosis and other things to address the anxiety and other underlying issues. But some providers may not be able to do it or just ignore that because they don't know. Right. So um, indeed, you need to think about the psychology. One clue, like, should I go to see somebody who might know hypnosis? If you have a medical condition that's not getting better with standard therapy, think about hypnosis because chances are your psychology is part of it. Once you learn how to do hypnosis, you'll find out as you modify your psychology, does your symptom get better? There's nothing to lose and only much to gain. I think you're right that some medical professionals and actually many medical professionals, professionals don't know how to, to treat, to, to use hypnosis. And in my dream is that they will learn how to use it because it's much better when your medical doctor who knows your medical condition treats you as opposed to sending to a, let's say, a psychologist who may not know the medical condition well. I had one patient who had what's called habit cough. Habit cough is a, uh, a very obnoxious cough that has no physiological cause, but it can last for weeks, months, or even years. Very loud, disruptive. Kids get thrown out of the school for it. And it usually improves within a week or two, sometimes immediately, of using hypnosis. It's really, it gets better quite quick. So I had one boy with habit cough who did not improve after a month. So he's unusual. And so I sent him to a psychologist because I know that habit cough is a psychological issue. The psychologist says, I can't help him. He has a cough. The psychologist didn't understand that what habit cough was. By the way, interestingly, that this boy, I followed him up. Half a year later, the cough stopped when his father told him that the tumor that the father had, that the boy supposedly did not know about, the tumor was benign. And then the cough stopped. So in retrospect, his cough was a way of saying, I'm worried about dad. But since it was a big secret, nobody talked to him about it. Yeah, psychology, right, can be so interesting and mystery. So I'm curious, now look back 30 years, is there anything you would want to tell the younger version of yourself that's 30 years ago about hypnosis? Well, I would want to tell myself that it has great potential. I want to say what I've already told you, that every patient you see, you should be asking yourself, could hypnosis be helpful here. And every patient with a chronic illness that's not getting better deserves at least a chance to help, let them help themselves. The mind is very powerful. We never, we don't know the limits of the mind. Let me tell you another story. So um, this boy, I think it was a six-year-old. I saw him for bad asthma. And he had also, I think, acid reflux. And I think he had allergies. Don't remember all the details. It was pretty complex. He also had been had a brain bleed when he was born and he had seizures. He would have seizures a few times a month. I'd wondered if hypnosis could help seizures. And my rationale was seizures means the brain activity goes wacky in non-medical terms. And if you can teach the patient to think differently, maybe it can regulate the brain activity and make it work better. That was my thought. I also knew that dogs can tell their owners when they're about to have a seizure. So the dog sense a seizure before it comes on. So I was thinking if I could teach somebody how to sense the seizure before it comes on and do something different, maybe it would go away. So I'd had this thought. So I met this boy and I said to the parents, would it be okay if I teach him hypnosis to see if I can help with the seizures? And his seizures were very interesting. They start in the right side of his brain and then they would pass to the left side of the brain. And when they were in the right side, he'd know something was wrong. He'd tell his mom something is wrong. 
And then when the seizure moved to the left side, he'd have what's called a grand mal seizure that his whole body would shake and he couldn't talk. So this is an example of six-year-old hypnosis. I said, who's your favorite character? He said, SpongeBob. I personally hate SpongeBob, but he's helped many of my patients. I said to him, well, what's SpongeBob made out of? He says, a sponge. And I said, okay, what makes it a sponge? What makes a sponge a sponge? He says, the holes. I said, that's right. So every night I said, put SpongeBob on your head. And if a storm comes into your brain, let it pass through the holes. That was a one minute intervention. All of them, you have to be creative. You know, I didn't know ahead of time what I was going to do, but yet it's a metaphor. So every night he would put, first he used his SpongeBob toy, he put it, his actual SpongeBob on his head, and then uh, he just imagined it. And sometimes he would wrap the toy well, and when he then imagined, he would wrap it, rewrap it a few times. And he'd tell himself, if a storm comes, it's going to pass through the holes. He hasn't had a single seizure since. It's been eight years now. Wow. So, you know, I didn't know if it was going to work, but there's no harm trying. And there's actually follow-up on this boy. So he uh, used to have uh, high temperatures without it and known cause, which is probably because the brain was regulating his temperature well. He came in a subsequent visit and I said, does SpongeBob have a friend? He said, yes. What's his name? Patrick. Okay. Tell Patrick to turn on the air conditioner. No more fevers. It's like too hard to, it's hard to believe this is true, but this is sort of what you could do with hypnosis. No more fevers. He used to trip and fall and uh, would not brace himself. And he broke his teeth on a couple of occasions, falling on his face. So he came in to see me and I said, well, tell SpongeBob to catch you. No more tripping. A year later, he tripped again. And the teacher wrote an ex a note to the mom and said, he tripped, but today he braced himself for the first time. So this boy illustrates to you that we don't know the extent of how hypnosis can work. Again, there's no downside in my mind. And so offer to your patient. If they're not getting better, offer Wow, how powerful our mind could be. Yeah, that's a wonderful story. Very shocking to, to learn. That always make me curious um, and interested in hypnosis. Actually, years ago when I went to your lecture, because I wanted to learn about hypnosis, but then I got into other fields and started studying sleep medicine. So I want to ask you near the end of our show, if any, you know, uh, anyone listening, they're curious about learning more about hypnosis, uh, any resources, reading your book, I think is a good, good start to know, really know more about it. Anything else you would suggest? Sure. Uh, so first of all, they can, you're welcome to come to my website, dranbar.com, D-R-A-N-B-A-R.com. And I have a lot of information there about hypnosis. They can also go to the website of the American Society of Clinical Hypnosis, ASCH.net. And there's a lot of information and videos regarding hypnosis there. We should say that if you're going to seek out a practitioner of hypnosis, you want one that's qualified to treat your medical condition even without hypnosis. So for example, even though I can teach patients to numb, numb their mouth, I'm not going to start pulling their teeth. I don't know what to do with the bleeding tooth. So you want to make sure the person who's practicing hypnosis with you knows what they're doing outside of hypnosis. And you want to make sure that they've been trained by a 
uh, an organization that trains professionals. So I mentioned American Society of Clinical Hypnosis. Uh, there's also the International Society of Clinical and Experimental Hypnosis, and there's the International Society of Hypnosis. Those are three different organizations that train professionals. Other organizations out there that will train anyone, and the, the training there may not be as on, on par with what you can get in some of these professional organizations. Mm. I think that's very important information for the public to to know when they really want to seek this out. And uh, if people are really curious about your book, since there's, a, I, I already want to read your book. There's all these stories and to know more about hypnosis and also clarify some misunderstandings of that. Even myself have some misunderstandings of hypnosis. So when your book going to re be released, where people can find it? The book will be released on December 8th, but you can pre-order it now on Amazon and wherever books are sold. And I encourage you to pre-order it because my goal is to have enough pre-orders that when it gets published, it might make a bestseller list. And the point, the reason for that is not about selling lots of books, but to get the word out. If people will start reading it, um, hopefully it'll excite people about how hypnosis can help themselves. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Dr. Amber, uh, to bring us this resource of hypnosis and look forward to reading more about your book and hopefully our audience are going to enjoy your book if they decide to purchase it. Thank you so much for having me. Have you ever tried hypnosis? If you did, share your story with us. Let me know. Feel free to check out more information on the show note at deepintosleep.co. You can also find the information about my sleep coaching course on the website. To thank you for your support of the podcast, I want to offer you a 20% off coupon for the sleep coaching course. And the coupon code is TRYCBTI2021. I'm also in the process of launching an English sleep coaching course. Once it's ready, I will announce it here and you will be the first one to know. Thank you for listening. I'm your host, Dr. Yishan. I will see you next time. Sleep is an individual thing. We all sleep differently, and there is so much we can do to improve sleep quality. Keep hope and carry on. This podcast is for general informational purpose only and does not include the practice of medicine or other health professional services. Usage of the information we share is at the listener's own risk, and our content does not intend to be a substitute for any medical and professional services, diagnoses, and treatment. Please seek professional health services as needed. Are you suffering from insomnia? I promise you, the CBTI method in my course will definitely help you. Even if several nights of better sleep, that would be a world-changing experience for you. I have had so many success from my insomnia patients who have taken this course over the years. If you know someone who are struggling with sleep, go to my website and check out my course at deepintosleep.co forward slash insomnia.